We're going to talk about the Word and the Spirit this morning. Before we get done, I believe you're going to see how powerful the Word and the Spirit are when they come together. Okay? So if you will indulge me just a little bit, I know that I usually start with a, a story and all those kinds of things, but I'm going to do something just a little bit different as, as we begin. Um, this morning has been a, a different kind of morning for me. I enjoy these times, but it's usually just between me and the Lord. He just shows up really, really heavy, really, really thick, and, and I ugly cry for a while and tell him how much I love him, and it's, it's just a really good time. But he started this morning before the, the throne room service even started. I could just feel this in my spirit, just... Okay, Lord. <laughs> and he began to say to me, it's the eternal weight of glory that you're feeling. It's the eternal weight of glory. So I want to read that, that verse to you uh, real quickly. I'm going to do it off my phone. I've got a Bible here, but I told them one version, and that Bible is not that version. So I'm going to read this to you. It's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. It says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I know that we go through things in life. Sometimes life can be happy, fun. Sometimes life can be, can be tough and difficult. Uh, you've not lived very long if you've not walked through a season of difficulty, if there hasn't been something that has gone on in your life that didn't bring you love, joy, and peace. But Paul is saying, that's momentary. That is a momentary affliction compared to the weight of glory that God is going to birth us into. Of, of course, he's talking about when we go to heaven, the glory that we're going to see. But you know what's going on in me? I don't want to wait till I get to heaven. I don't want to wait to see some of the good things of heaven when I get to heaven because I believe the kingdom is already here. The kingdom is already here. So even though we go through things, even though we, we have to fight through things at times, even though sometimes, and I've been there and I know you've been there, you're going, God, where are you? God, where are you? God, where are you? I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. It is still such a light affliction compared to what the Lord wants to pour out on his people. So I'm telling you that this morning, I'm feeling that, that weight. It's not a, somebody came up to me uh, before the, the, the first service and they said, something, something weighing on you? And I went, yeah, but it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So the only reason I'm telling you that is because I don't really know where we're going to go or where we're going to wind up. Uh, I've got a road map here. We may follow the map. We may not follow the map. Okay? All right. Uh, we possibly will be in Ephesians chapter 4. 
and Ezekiel 37 this morning. We will start in Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got your Bible and you would like to follow along, please do so. We are in a sermon series called Identify. Identify. Five weeks we're talking about church identity, this church's identity. And we started uh, three weeks ago with this is a spirit-filled church. This is a church that makes room for the moving of the Spirit of God. However he wants to do it, whatever he wants to do, we want to be found following him, not doing something and going, hey, Holy Spirit, come over here. The next week we talked about being a multicultural church. Because if you go to Acts chapter 2 and you look at the birth of the church, God did it in a multicultural way. It says there were people from all nations under the earth that heard that first message. A multicultural church. And then last week, we talked about being a relational church. This morning, we're going to start talking about discipleship. Because we are a discipling church. We've been called to be a discipling church. And this morning, I want to show you why we disciple why we disciple. In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it says there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. That's probably one of the worst indictments I have ever read in the Bible. The children of Israel have come out of Egypt they had wandered around in Egypt, I mean, in, in the wilderness until an unbelieving generation had to die off before they could possess the promised land. And then a generation went in and followed God and they possessed the promised land. And their children saw them possessing the promised land, but it's just the next generation where it says they didn't know God. How can there be a generation that doesn't know God? It's because they weren't taught. They weren't discipled. They weren't told about the good things of God. I don't want that to be said about this generation that is about to come up. Because if you look across everything, uh, all the statistics... All the, all, the, all the people smarter than me say, say that, that, that churches are shrinking, that less and less people are going to church. More and more people are getting away from the, the routine, if you want to say, of even going to church. That can only be because there's a generation coming up that doesn't know God. And if they don't know God, it's because we have not discipled them. We've not told them about the good things of God. You know, discipleship is not always easy. It takes a lot of effort. It can cost time. It can even cost money. Do you know the reason that, that we stand up here and say thank you for your tithes and offerings is not so that, that me and Pastor Sam and Pastor Roger can get a big salary? 
The reason we do that is because we know that the money that is given in this church is going to go into the kingdom. It's going to allow us to disciple. We're not going to build this new wing, the Sam Fisher Memorial Wing. We're not building this wing just so just so we can have more room, just so we can say, hey, look what we did. But we know and we have this expectation that there will be more and more people that the Lord is bringing in, that we are discipling, and we need room to do that. Discipleship costs us at time. It costs us time. It costs us using our talents And it does cost us our treasure. But if we're going to be a discipling church, we have to say, that's who we are, and that's what we're doing. Now, if I ask how many of you love New Covenant Church, hopefully 95% of you would put your hand up. But you know what? If I told my wife, that I loved her, yet I never spent any time with her. Does it take time and effort even just to come on Sunday mornings? Yeah, it does. If I never spent any time serving her, and I never spent a dime on her, do I really love her? So if we say we love the church, yes, I'm meddling. If we say we love the church, yet we wait till we wake up on Sunday morning to decide whether we're even going or not, are we really giving the Lord our best time? If you've been a member of this church since the beginning and you've never served in the church, do you really love the church? And what's the last one I'm bringing up? <laughs> If you don't honor God with what he puts in your hands, do you really love the church? I can say that because I know I don't get a whole lot of it. The day I pull up in a Ferrari, then you can question me, okay? (laughs) Discipleship, it costs us. But it also gives, right? If you don't ever get anything from this church... If you don't ever get anything, I don't expect you to show up to serve and to give. Okay? It starts with us. It starts with us giving you something that you can live off of, giving you the word of God in such a way that you can live off of it, giving you an opportunity to use the gifts and the talents that God has put in your life. So it starts with us. So there's got to be some giving on both sides. Martin Luther said a religion, now I know that we don't like the word religion, but understand what I'm saying. He said a religion that gives nothing and costs nothing is worth nothing. So if, if, we're, if, we're, if we're saying this is where God is taking NCC, we're going to give you something. But we respect, expect some things to come back, Okay. That's a good place to say amen. (laughs) All right. Why don't we disciple? 
Let me give you three reasons why we disciple. In Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. I'm going to stop right there for just a second. Even before I get to the first point, I want to stop here for just a second, okay? I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Now, when Paul was writing this, he was a literal prisoner. This is one of his prison epistles. But we've, we've been studying the book of, of Ephesians on Wednesday nights. And I taught out of, out of chapter 4 a few weeks ago. And this this scripture just grabbed me. The thought right here grabbed me. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Now, I want you to listen to what what I'm saying. Say, I'm listening. I'm listening, okay? I know we talk a lot about being sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. And yes, that, that was a paradigm shift for me. Because when, when I was young, in, even in my walk with the Lord, even young in ministry, I spent so much time thinking I had to do something for God to approve of me. I really had more of a, a servant or you could even say a slave mentality. I got to do something so he'll approve of me. And the Lord just shifted that. You're a son. You don't have to do anything because I already approve of you. I love you. So now what I do comes out of that place of being a son instead of trying to get God to approve of me. But here's my next step. The Lord asked me, have I captured you? Am I willing as a son to say, yes, these are all of my rights, but my rights mean nothing if I haven't been captured by you? Am I a prisoner? Have I been captured by the Lord? I don't want to just serve him. I don't want to just sit around and say I'm a son. I want to be absolutely captured by him so I can run and complete the course that he's called me to. And if he hasn't captured me, I will never be there. Have you been captured? Have you been captured? I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And here's the first reason we disciple. We don't know how to walk. We must be discipled because we don't know how to walk. Paul here is actually discipling them. He's urging them to walk in a certain manner. We need to be discipled so we know how to walk. When my youngest daughter was born, I took our oldest daughter up to the hospital to to see her. Now, she was only about two and a half at the time. But for the last six or seven months, we've been telling her that, you know, Hannah's coming, and she's going to be your best friend. She's going to be your playmate. You're going to love her. You're going to enjoy her just so much. And I take this little girl up to the hospital with me to see her mom and her brand new sister. And I could see the look on her face when we first walked in the room. She's looking at this tiny little ball of lungs. (laughs) Who is, what, what, this, this, this is not what I was sold. And she has this look on her face, and 
Lisa's laying in the, the hospital bed there, and she's got Hannah on one arm, and Elise crawls up in the bed, and she's on the other side, and Elise is just kind of laying there the whole time. And we, when we got ready to leave, and I'm, I'm walking her out in the hall, I said, well, what do you think about your new baby sister? And if you know Elise, she put her hands on her hips, and she went, she don't walk, she don't talk, she don't do nothing. We had to disciple her to walk and talk. You get that? We had to bring her to a place where she could walk and talk. We had to train her to walk and talk. And, and Paul is saying here, hey, there is a manner of walking that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And we have to train people to walk that way, to talk that way. Because if not... What's the difference between us and those outside of a relationship with Jesus? I, I know in our society, and please, look, I know I'm, I'm getting older, so I can start to sound like an old man. <laughs> but we, it seems like we spend so much time trying to be so much like those outside of a relationship with Jesus, so they'll think we're cool. See, I'm just like you. I'm just like you. But if I'm just like you, what is it about me that's going to, to cause you to want to come and be a part of the relationship that I'm having? See, we, 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 we get so free... But Paul said, don't use your freedom as an excuse for sin. We don't like to talk about sin anymore. Because it makes me feel bad. That's condemnation. No, I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm not talking about beating you over the head with something going wrong in, wrong in your life. What I'm talking about is discipling you to the place where you go, Oh, that's not who I'm supposed to be. That's, that's something I shouldn't even be messing around with. I'm not the same person that I was. That's what I used to do before I had a relationship with Jesus. But this is who I am now. It's called holiness. It's another word we don't like to talk about a lot. But the Lord has really been dropping on me this, this, this thing about holiness, Holiness, holiness. What is that? Is that is that women have to wear their their skirts all the way down to their ankles and their hair piled up this high? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the the, the inner righteousness that we have working its way out on the outside. That being seen of who we are. It's not. No, I won't do that because that's of the devil. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying there's something so much about us that even if I walked into the midst of that, people would know. See, Jesus didn't stay away from people, did he? Jesus walked right into the middle of things, but they knew there was a difference. We're called to walk into people's stuff. We're called to be in the middle of people's stuff. 
So it's not necessarily that I just hide myself away. I only go to Six Flags on, on Christian Family Weekend, <laughs> which I did one time and I will never do again. It's not about hiding ourselves away. It's not about becoming a monk and, not, and not, not being around people outside of a relationship. It's about being so much about the relationship that even if I walk into this, something's going to change. Something's going to be different. Because I'm carrying something. I'm carrying the mantle that Jesus was wearing. You understand that? Verse Ephesians 4, verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. With, can I read it again? <laughs> with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of of the spirit in the bond of peace. Here's the second reason why we need a disciple. We don't know how to get along. We got to be discipled on how to get along. <laughs> we have to disciple people to understand and recognize the beauty and the strength of our differences, not come be just like me. But that's that we, we like to we like to group with those that are just like us, just like me. Think just like I think, vote just like I vote. Shop where I shop, live where I live. But I'm just stuck in this little this little world. If I cannot, with, with love and patience and kindness, bear somebody's difference? It's amazing. If, if we get out of our little bubble, if we get out of our little world and we start to experience people and we start to talk to people, you'll find there's a reason they think the way that they think. Well, I never thought about it that way. Eager to maintain the unity. That's the second word the Lord has just been, when I say hammering, I don't mean in a bad way, but it's just been holiness and unity, holiness and unity, holiness and unity. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Who's the Spirit? The big S, the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that dwells in you dwells in me. So there should be unity among those of us in whom the Spirit dwells. In the bond of peace. In the bond of peace. We can have unity. And this word bond there, you can look this up. In the Greek, it literally means ligament. Ligament. 
Now, I, I, I am, I, you know, I slept during biology and uh, have nothing to do with any kind of medical profession, but I kind of understand that, that ligaments hold bones together. But you know what? There's not a ligament holding this femur and this femur. Why? Because they weren't meant to be together. They were meant to connect to something that's completely different. Right? So that bond of peace connects me to something completely different. Those ligaments in my femur up here connect to my kneecap, which is, I think, patella? Nutella? What? What's that? <laughs> patella? It's something completely different. It has a completely different purpose. Are you listening? So why are we trying to be bonded with those that are just like us? We will never accomplish anything if we're all just pointing fingers. Different things do different things, but they're meant to be bonded together. Bonded together. Those ligaments bond us together so we can move, so we can do the things that we've been called to do. That word peace there. It means the exemption from rage and havoc. Do we ever get angry with people that aren't just like us? <laughs> I know you've never experienced this, but there are some people that get angry with people that didn't vote like them. You've probably not noticed it. Listen, we will never be collectively free, at peace, or in unity without each other. Without the differences that all of us bring. All right, I want to shift gears here. Over to Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to run through this kind of quickly, but that's okay. Ezekiel 37, starting in verse 1, says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface, on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to them, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord, you know. Now, if we're looking at that in the natural, you know the answer is, uh-uh. Dry bones everywhere, uh-uh, uh-uh. But now the Lord's speaking to him, so you know this is a pop quiz on something different, right? Like, well, Lord, you know. That's, that's a perfect answer. You know, I'm noncommittal either way. Lord, you know. <laughs> Here's the third reason that we disciple. Without unity, we are just dry bones. We can't live without each other. We dry up without relationships that connect us to a deeper purpose. Years ago when Lisa and I were, were doing the, the junior high ministry, uh, 
I did, I did this message one night, and we, we were talking about everybody has a part in, in, in the kingdom of God, in the body. And I had gone and gotten this, this, this big picture uh, blown up and, and printed out, and I cut it up into about 10 different pieces. Couldn't tell what it was. You know, cut it up like a jigsaw puzzle. And I put the numbers on the back so, you know, they wouldn't get confused. They were junior high kids. <laughs> and as I was teaching, I would go, number one, number two. And we did it all the way through number 10. Now, uh, you could tell um, what it was going to be, but they put it all together and it made a picture of Jesus. The problem was there were 11 pieces there's always going to be a hole if we're not being who we were supposed to be. See, I had the last piece. It made this wonderful picture, the one that's probably hanging over your grandmother's toilet that we've all seen. <laughs> but right in the middle of it, there was something missing. It was my piece. It was my piece. Together, we make up the body. Together, the picture is complete. Verse 4, and then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. We've got to speak, we've got to prophesy, we've got to teach in such a way from the word of God. And when God's word is used correctly, it will bring life. Verse six, and I will lay sinews upon you. Here's a really neat thing. In the complete Jewish Bible, it says, I will lay ligaments on you. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin. And put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. You know, there's a lot of things that we say are God, not God. There's some prayers we're throwing up. There's some things, some words we have, not God, not God. So we got to prophesy as we're commanded. We got to speak as we're commanded. Stay within the boundaries that God gives us. I remember one time somebody came up to me and they said, oh, I've, I, I've, I've got a word. This was not in a, a service like this, but they said, oh, I've got a word. It's like, okay, well, tell me. And, then, and what they told me was like real short. I'm like, okay, well, we'll make time for that. It was during a prayer time. And the moment I handed them the microphone, this became this. But you know what was God? This. Well, because they had the mic and they decided to go here, people's minds started wandering and they, they, they missed the power of this. Speak what God says speak. And that's all that we need to speak. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together. Bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them. There was unity. There was unity. And flesh had come upon them. And skin had covered them. 
but there was no breath. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds. O breath, and breathe in these slain that they may live. That word breath there in the Hebrew is ruach. It's the same word that is used when they're talking about the Holy Spirit. First he said, prophesy and use the word. Now he's saying, prophesy and use the spirit. You see where I'm going with this? We have got to have the word and the spirit. And if we're going to disciple, we have to disciple according to the word and according to the spirit. It's great to learn how to read your Bible But if we don't teach you beyond that, if we don't teach you how to connect with the Spirit, how to hear the voice of the Spirit, if you've not been discipled to the place where you can read the Word and the Spirit of God can light on it, we can give you a Bible reading program. You can have it on your phone. I read the verse of the day. Well, what if the verse of the day is not what the Lord has for you for that day? Nothing wrong with the verse of the day. I know there's millions of people that read that verse of the day. That's great. As I had a coach tell me one time, one push-up's better than no push-up. That verse of the day, hey, if that's all you read, man, you can draw some life out of it, but that's not where the Lord wants to stay with you, I promise you. He wants you to be discipled to the place where you can hear from the word, you can hear from the spirit, where you can worship in spirit, you can worship in truth. It takes both of them. But sometimes because we don't like to hang out with people that are different than us, we have the word people over here. Right? It's all about the word. Is the word good? Absolutely the word is good. The word is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It will cut between the soul and the spirit. The word is good. You believe that? The word is good. We need the word of God. We sit over here and we're like, those people over there, I'm all about the word. I'm all about the word. Yeah, you need to be about the word. And if you're all about the word, you'll realize that you can't just have the word because even the Bible says that the letter by itself can kill. But then you have the people over here go, I don't need the word. I just need to hear from God. I just need to hear from God. But you know what? I am really concerned about what you will hear from God if you never get into this. Because whatever you're hearing from God will not contradict this. Okay? We need the word and the spirit. The word and the spirit. Why do we disciple? Why have we said we're going to be a discipling church? So we can disciple you in the word and disciple you in the spirit. So when they come together, we really become a habitation of his glory. Because that's the purpose. The purpose is that we engage with the glory of God. That's who we've been called to be. A church that knows the glory. That weight of glory. 
We need the word and the spirit. We need to be able to prophesy from the word. Remember he said prophesy. We need to be able to prophesy from the word. And we need to be able to prophesy to the spirit. We need both of them. I hope that you've heard something this morning. It started to, to, to stir something inside of you. Because you know what? You're not going to be discipled if you don't desire to be discipled. If just coming to church on a Sunday morning, walking in, listening, and leaving is, is, is all you're interested in, that's okay. We'll still preach. We'll still sing. You can still come for that. But there's going to be some that say, I want to take that next step. I want to go deeper in this. I want to know the word. We've got a Bible college teaching the word. And at the same time, I want to know the spirit. Well, you know, there's intercessors up here. Sometimes you got to get around people to begin to, to, to get that. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate God. Amen. It's not all just about class time. Class time is great. But sometimes it's just be around those who are operating. You can be discipled by that. And we want to see you be who you've been called to be. Because each and every one of you, if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a gift, you have a calling, there's a passion that God has put inside of you that only you can fulfill. But we've got to be willing to learn how to walk. We've got to be willing to learn to get along. And we've got to be willing to get into the Word and in the Spirit. All right? Is that your heart? Is that your heart this morning? I just want to go deeper with God. I just want to go deeper with God. I just want to go deeper with God. Don't feel like that is your responsibility to get everything for yourself. Allow some of us who have walked in the wilderness, who have blazed the trail, come walk with us as we do this. Okay? So if this is your heart, you're like, man, I just, I want to know God. I want to know God. The word holiness kind of scares me, but I know that there's something there. So what do you need the Lord to do for you? Right where you are, what do you need the Lord to do? And whatever it is, that's his specialty. You hear me? Whatever it is. If it's healing, that's his specialty. If it's freedom, that's his specialty. If it's emotional healing, that's his specialty. If it's salvation... That's his specialty. He said, I came to seek and save the lost. If you need God to do something in your life this morning, don't say, well, I can take care of it next time. Sometimes you got to jump in when the river's flowing, right? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for everything that you've said, everything that you've done. Lord, I thank you for everything else that you're going to do. Lord, we pray every week that there will be those who will be saved, be healed, and be set free by the power of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would draw those who need what only you can give. In Jesus' name, amen.